0: Um, I gave a, a message, rather short message last week, uh, about living without offense. I'm in a series I'm calling Following Jesus, and I ended up in a series within a series, kind of like a dream within a dream. <laughs> had to get that in. I feel giddy today. Um, and I'm just calling it Following Jesus Without Offense. As I prepared for this, and as I got your questions, I recognized that I could probably speak on this for the the next decade. Um, Let me just tell you some of the questions I got about living without offense. These are just some of them. What if we have a legitimate offense? What if someone did something to us and really something needs to be done about it? How do you maintain healthy boundaries while forgiving an offender? How can we recklessly love like Jesus and not be wrecked in the process? (laughs) <laughs> how can we know when laying down our lives or ourselves is biblical and when it's codependency or even idolatry? Someone wrote uh, about a person that's died and, and they've verbally forgiven this person, but they can't get past the negative feelings. If, does that mean that they're living in, in offense? And if so, how do they stop doing that? How do you forgive someone who has no remorse and doesn't even believe they are wrong? How do you forgive someone that you know will hurt you again? You can set boundaries, but you have to maintain the relationship. Those are some of the questions I got. And, uh, it's, it, I realized that this is a, this is a tricky issue. And I will tell you right up front, I'm not going to give you a one, two, three, here's how to never live with offense ever again. I, I am going to give you the biblical, practical, Jesus following basis for living without offense. And I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit will help you apply that. The bottom line is this. In case anybody gets unruly. The bottom line is this. The only, let's look at those first verses. I said this one, I started with this one last week. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. You claim to be a follower of Jesus. It's it's commensurate upon you. It is required by expected of. Empowered by God that you would live like Jesus lived. Jesus lived without offense. Proverbs 4.23 Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Offense happens in the heart. It takes root in the heart. This is where it, this is the main place. It may happen in your head. You may have experienced it in your body. But the place that you decide whether or not you'll live in offense is right here in your heart. And so the writer of Proverbs tells us guard your heart Your whole life is determined by your heart. And here's the promise. Jesus said that you can trust your heart to God. So Jesus lived his whole life, lots of offense in the life of Jesus, right? Misunderstood, beaten, all the, you know the story. And he lived without offense because he entrusted his heart to God, his father. God, God commanded him to live righteously and he lived in perfect righteousness because he trusted his father with his heart. Jesus did not have to own his own heart. This says guard your heart. I understand that it can be a little tricky. What we're, what we're talking about is what rules our heart. We determine what rules our heart. Jesus, Jesus determined that his righteous father in heaven would rule his heart. In uh, Matthew 17, you hear a lot about offense. Matthew 17 and 18 is one place. But uh, Matthew 17, there's a word, a Greek word for offense. Jesus said, you can't help it, offenses are going to come. And the word he uses, it's a Greek word, scandalon. The beginning, that basically means a stumbling block. I talked about it a month or so ago. It basically means a stumbling block. It comes from another word, scanned, S-K-A-N-D. And the scanned in a trap, was the part of the trap that you put the bait on. That, that's called a scand in Greek. And so, did you notice I have traps up here? This is pretty fun. So, um, this little thing right here, you can stand up if you want, it's all right. Show and tell. This little thing in here, Jesus would call that a scand. That's the thing that you put the bait on. That's the thing that the little animal... Hopefully not the worship bunny. Yeah. Did you know Izzy has a worship bunny? <laughs> Izzy has a bunny. It lives in his office. We call it worship bunny. Yeah. We got a little worried when we were talking about worship bunny there and traps up here. But don't be offended. It's going to be okay. This is the scanned. This is the bait. Offense is like bait for a trap. If you walk into or live in a fence, that's what happens your little leg or your little nose or whatever gets caught. In this kind of a trap, you'd... Where do you go with this now? (laughs) Jesus can free you from offense. You can choose whether you walk around with that or not. I mean, let's just go with it, honestly. Actually, that's good, right? Let's just go with that. I mean, the, the, the whole point is that you can choose whether you live in a fence or not, right? How many people do you know walk around, as it were, with a trap hanging off their leg? And it's bloody, and it's oozing, and it's gooey, and it smells, and they have no idea. They've gotten so used to walking around with a trap, they're walking in a fence, and they wonder why people are repelled. Why don't people want to come close? So uh, a larger trap, this is the, the, for the larger animal. The scanned would be way in the back here. So the bait goes in the back. And this isn't just a foot you're looking for. This is a whole thing. So you would go back and you touch the little scanned and you trap the little animal. Now what's interesting is this is called a humane trap. Isn't that interesting? You know why? Because they, the, the animal won't die in there. Not so good for this one, right? The animal won't die in that. If you follow the, the bait of offense in your life, do you realize that you can walk around trapped the rest of your life by that offense? You, you, might, you might live, but you're going to be boxed in. It's not whether or not we'll be offended, right? That is not the question. The question is, will you live in offense? Will you live from offense? Will you carry offense in your heart? Will you walk around with offense? Will you let offense be offense around you for the rest of your life? Or will you walk in freedom? To follow Jesus without offense, we've got to forgive as Jesus forgave. Bottom line we've got to forgive as jesus forgave. Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, I'm just going to read these. I'm not necessarily going to exposit them. They're pretty straightforward. Paul says this, "Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you." What's the precursor of our forgiving others? Jesus has forgiven us, just as, in the same way, by the same means. Colossians 3, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. You want to hear the Greek translation? Forgive anyone who offends you. That's exactly what it says. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Paul ties forgiveness to the work of Jesus on the cross. Paul ties forgiveness to the work of Jesus on the cross. The basis for you, forgiving those who have offended you, great offense or small offense. Little baby mousetrap. I forgot about that one earlier. I just didn't want to step on it in the middle of the sermon. You know, little mousetrap offense or big chew your leg off offense. That forgiveness is based on what Jesus did on the cross. There are a couple of words for forgiveness in the New Testament. The words used in these, both of these passages, the basis, thank you. (laughs) The basis of this word is charis. Do you know the word charis? C-H-A-R-I-S, it means grace. Gifts from God, gracelets, charismata, right? Anytime you see grace extended from God to people through Jesus and the work of Jesus, it's that word charis, grace. And when Paul says we ought to forgive one another, that's the root of that verb. To forgive is to extend grace, giving something to someone who doesn't deserve it. The root of forgiveness is this. Even though you hurt me, even though it was wrong, even though it's wounded me, even though you're unrepentant, no matter what, I extend to you, Caris, grace. You owe me a debt and grace says, I will not exact that debt. And some of you right now are like, I gun it. I knew he was going to say that. That makes me so mad because where is justice, right? I mean, we are a justice-oriented people in general. Where is justice? And I'll just tell you simply, justice is at the cross. That's where justice was meted out. So think about it this way. Your ability, your willingness to forgive those who have offended you, who keep offending you, who have wounded you, who keep wounding you, who have done you wrong. Your ability, your willingness to do that is empowered by the work of Jesus on the cross. Justice was meted out. That sin against you was accounted for by the blood of Jesus. I think if we can grasp that concept, it may take a long time to live it out, but if we can grasp that truth, we will live without offense in our lives. And let's just be honest as he goes off the notes completely. Let's just be honest. Some of us are not offended with a person in the traditional sense. Some of us are offended with God himself, right? Why did you make me like this? How come they get that and I don't? All I wanted was X and I'm never going to get it. I had all I wanted, and you took it away, right? Even when we go to God, the basis of our forgiving God and living without offense before the Almighty is what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus poured out his love on the cross to cover every offense, every sin. Now, whether or not that person who sinned against you is forgiven by God, you know, that's between them and God, right? That is not yours. James 1.20 The anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. You might just want to commit that one to memory. James 1. I've got some notes for you on your way out. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And some of us, I felt it too. Like I can't let go of this. Because it would be like they were getting off. And I can't bear that. Let me assure you. They don't get off. Except in the way that you got off. When the blood of Jesus covers their sin. And I'll tell you, when you see, if you see that offender in heaven, they will not look like the mean, evil person that you had in mind. They'll look like Jesus. Now, that'll twist your theology a little bit. I recognize that but we're going to be changed when we see him we will be like he is right. And all of a sudden the heart of that person fully redeemed by the Lord will be visible to us and we'll see what it looks like. Is it possible we can begin to look at that heart now in the faces of those who offend or who have offended? Forgiveness is this grace extended when it's not deserved. Somebody asked, how do you know when you've forgiven? You know, you go, you've gone through all the onions. You've gone through all the layers. You've done all the d- demons have been cast out, right? How many of us have really gone through the ringer to forgive? I have. And you wake up and it's there and you go, what? How do you know when you have forgiven? It's when that person comes to mind and you can look at them in your mind's eye and say, you owe me nothing. It was paid for by Jesus. And then you know what? Jesus gets worshiped right there. I mean, Jesus gets glory like you can't imagine. Waves of glory come from forgiveness like that. The basis for forgiveness is the work of Jesus on the cross. Period. It can't be a person's sorrow, it can't be their restitution. Do you know why? Humble opinion here. I didn't find this in the Bible. That's not enough. When someone really hurts you, And then they pay you back or say they're sorry. Does it really feel like it's enough? (laughs) You're like, no, death. (laughs) Right? And you know what God said? You're absolutely right. That was paid for by the death of the only one who had the right to be offended. Jesus paid for your sin and the sin against you fully. Jesus asked us only to carry His cross. I mean, our cross, not His cross. Remember that? Take up your cross. We're not, we're not meant to take the cross of Jesus. We're not to bear the weight of that sin against us over and over and over again. We can't bear it. I know people who have lived in bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment for 40, 50 years. Still alive. And they just think, one more day, one more day. And they cannot bear that sin. They're crushed under the weight of it. Jesus didn't ask us to bear his cross. He asked us to bear our cross. You know what our cross is? Following Jesus. Love, forgiveness, endurance, patience, compassion, mercy. All that's found at the foot of the cross personally for us. And when we extend forgiveness to that person out there, Alive or dead, real offense or perceived, then we're extending the love and the compassion of Jesus. I want to look at one other scripture before we close today, and then I want to make it real practical. I'll warn you now, no, I'll encourage you now. You're going to have a chance to walk in forgiveness this morning. I'm not going to make it real emotional though I will tell a story. (laughs) But at the end of this, we're not going to have a big ministry team up here. and um, I'm just going to ask Lynn to come forward and play some music. And at the end of this message, you're free to come forward. That's a step, a signal of your stepping out of offense and unforgiveness. And I'm just going to ask you to come forward and to do business with God. So be prepared for that. 1 Peter. Peter says this, God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example and you must follow in his steps. That is one of the promises of Jesus. If you follow me, you will suffer. And we shouldn't be false about that, right? Following Jesus means Suffering. He, Jesus, never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. What does it look like to follow Jesus? We do not retaliate when insulted. It's it's simple, it's not easy. Nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Do you see the basis of Jesus walking without offense? He entrusted his heart to God. He entrusted his heart to God. He left his case, and boy did he have a case, right? Against you. Against me. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sin in his body on the cross. So that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. This is the basis of forgiveness. Your heavenly father to you and you to any person who offends you. He carried our sin on the cross. In his body, by his wounds, you are healed. That should probably be the base scripture for the whole thing here. By his wounds, you are healed. As a charismatic church, we'll talk a lot about the basis for healing, physical healing being through the atonement. You know, by his wounds, we are healed. So in some way, we access healing because Jesus is already taking care of all the the brokenness, right? We just don't know if it's going to happen in this life or in the next. Often we see it here, praise the Lord. But this scripture isn't talking about physical healing. He personally carried our sin in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. By his wounds, you can forgive. By his wounds, we can release people from bondage because of the sin that they've perpetrated against us. By his wounds, we can shake loose of the traps. By his wounds, we can get out of this Cage. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have returned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. And it's such a beautiful image. From Peter, you know, there's a whole segment of the church that said he's the first pope, right? Peter was a shepherd of shepherds in the early church, and Peter says, "Your way out of living in offense and woundedness is this: return to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls." Don't try to make your own heart safe. You've got to entrust your heart to the shepherd of your soul. Remember I said Jesus didn't ask us to carry his cross, but to carry our cross, right? The only thing that Jesus did ask us to carry, I mean, he did ask us to do something. He said, Matthew 11, take my yoke upon you. We think of yoke as a burden. Be careful there, Jacqueline. (laughs) He said, take my yoke upon you. A yoke was that thing that went between two oxen, a stronger one and a younger one. And it was meant to um, shift the burden so that the younger one would learn from the older one, this is how you walk with difficulty in life. That's what Jesus says. You know what you're supposed to carry? Whatever that thing is that keeps you connected to him. Now, sometimes that's pain. And sometimes our pain keeps us connected to him. But not our unforgiveness. Not our unforgiveness. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you've returned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. So my question for you this morning, if you're living in offense, if you're living in unforgiveness, if it's become bitterness and rage and resentment, if it's poisoned you and relationships around you, will you return The words repent. Will you return to the shepherd of your soul? Will you entrust your heart again to God? I'm not asking you necessarily to entrust your heart again to that abuser or that offender. Reconciliation is different than forgiveness. Romans 12, as far as it is up to you, be at peace with all men. As far as it is up to you. Reconciliation is a God-ordained thing. It happens between three people, God, the person, and the other person. You can't reconcile for another, right? Just a little there. But you get a chance to return to the shepherd of your soul. The answer to offense is always forgiveness. Before I read my story, let me just say this. This sermon and forgiveness is not a basis for your bad behavior. Okay, just in case anyone's thinking, I, I've got a you know, get out of a fence free card. You, you don't get to offend your spouse or your children or your boss. And say, you can't be mad at me because Randy said you're not allowed to walk with a fence. Okay, that's not the heart of Jesus. <clears throat> okay, let me read this. Why don't you stand? The basis of forgiveness, God to us and us to others, is the work of Jesus on the cross. By his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, we extend forgiveness. This is a uh, brief story from Corrie ten Boom. She was uh, uh, a Dutch resistor in World War II. She and many of her family were sent to a concentration camp called Ravensbrück, because they were sheltering Jews. They were not themselves Jews, but they were sheltering Jews. And this is what she says. It was in a church in Germany that I saw him, a balding, heavyset man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken. It was 1947, two years after the liberation of this Ravensbrück camp. And I'd come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. And that's when I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with a skull and a crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights. The pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor. The shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. You mentioned Ravensbrück in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard in there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time he went on, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fraulein, his hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there, I whose sins had every day to be forgiven and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do, for I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives as a prior, has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely As I did that moment. The basis of forgiveness is not emotion. It's not repentance. It's not even human justice. It's not our great love for the other. It's God's great love for us. It's the work of Jesus on the cross. By his wounds, we are healed. I just want to open the front this morning. And Lynn, could you come up and play for us? And I just want to invite you forward if in any way you feel like you're walking in offense. It could be deep wound from tragic abuse. It could be a spouse who hurts you. You could literally have a personality that walks in an offensive way. I know there are all those different ways that we can be offended and all those different ways that the trap of offense can take us. But we all have to meet at the same place for God's grace to forgive. And that's the foot of the cross. So I'm just going to invite you this morning, if you're carrying anything, to come here and to kneel. And imagine here, the cross, where by his wounds you were healed. So you can just come forward and kneel. We'll just let you do business with God. You can stay as long as you want. I'll pray. Father, as they come forward now, I ask God for your grace, your great grace, the grace that took Jesus to the cross, the love that was seen uh, in the blood of Jesus. And I ask now that you'd flood us, flood us with grace. Lord, we want to let it go, but we need your help. So give us grace to forgive and to release for the sake of Jesus. Amen.